one. This is Saturday Night's All Right for podcasting from Radio Elton John for Elton John World. I'm your host, George Matlock. A quick shout-out to Katarzyna Bugai, first of all. Not only did she attend Elton's final tour show this month and grabbed selfies with all the band, she also won our podcast competition from April of that fabulous book, Elton John, All the Songs. So a big congratulations to you. In fact, we only found out very recently that the authors referenced several articles from Elton John World, so a thank you to the authors as well. Now, on with the show. Uh, On the show, in fact, we love to uh, hand over the mic to Elton fans, who are very much part of the tapestry of his world. Today, we are making history young again, as we have lined up our very first multiple guest, Elton Round Table. Okay, fan round table. And we shouldn't forget that this is being pre-recorded in the midst of Novak Djokovic's defence of the Wimbledon tennis title. So please, no tantrums today on the tennis court. Now, as well as finding out about their fandom, we will be discussing this hour in the sweltering July heat the hot topic of Farewell Yellow Brick Road, Elton's swan song world tour, which grossed a record $925 million and ended this month in Stockholm. Well, let's hope that ABBA were in the crowd. Some of our guests, they certainly, definitely, absolutely were there. So let's now introduce to you some of our uh, guests who will be joining us on this fan round table. So, drum roll, please. Oh, that was pretty good. Okay, all right, that worked. And so, without any further ado, it's Stefan Heimbecker, the founder of Rocket Fan, latterly Hercules fan club. Uh, also, Elton author Claude Bernardin. Lap it up, lap it up, lap it up. Doesn't come every day. Uh, Paul Smith, who's the founder of Facebook group Elton John Online. Okay, okay, lads, lads, thank you, thank you. And forgive my passion for anything Monty Python, right? But now for something completely different. We have two identical twins who are both Elton John fans, no surprise, Sandra and Tanya Diffidine. Don't they sound lovely? Don't they sound absolutely amazing? Okay, well, that's some of our wonderful uh, guests who are on the show today. So welcome, everyone, to Radio Elton John. Uh, Well, Stefan and Paul, I know that they definitely were in the crowd um, this uh, the other week in uh, in uh, Stockholm. So uh, we'll be asking you both about your experiences of those emotional nights. But first, uh, I want to take you to... To another fan. This is a fan who, unfortunately, was unable to join us today. Um, they couldn't be live with us, but they did want to relate their thoughts. 
Okay, well, before we get into all the excitement with our roundtable of fan royalty that's seated here in the studio, let's start with somebody who actually couldn't join us today, but really, really wanted to be with us, and that is Wayne Martin from Boston. <laughs> steady, steady. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, well, welcome. W Wayne, first of all, you get the basically the first word among the fans here. Um, what did you make of the, the Farewell Yellow Brick Road tour from Elton John? Well, I was there opening night in uh, Pennsylvania, he did not let you down on the final two shows in Stockholm this past weekend. It uh, was very emotional for all of us attending. Although what was interesting to me is that throughout the first half of the tour, the world tour, it was a very emotional experience for Elton. I mean, he would uh, oftentimes cry throughout the show and... Mm -hmm the applause would just go on and on and on between numbers. Since he came back after uh, the tour was put on hold because of COVID, it hasn't been that way. He's, he's approached it as more of a celebratory event. And uh, he's gotten a little choked up here and there, but nothing like he did to begin with. And I was curious how he was going to play these final two shows in Stockholm. And again, he approached it as celebratory. He um, wasn't quite as successful on the following night because the audience just wouldn't allow it. Uh, the audience was so emotional, and there were several times where he took as many as three bows after a song, and uh, I think it was after your song, he, he just stood there and let the applause wash over him. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was amazing. So, um, but, it, but he, he held it together. He, he didn't, he wiped a tear once, I think. I got very emotional at the very beginning because I was sit seated on uh, stage right. And so it's where he walks onto the stage. And when he came I don't know how to explain it, but he, he came through the curtains and he walks up to the stage and then walks up the steps. Mm. And he was surrounded by his bodyguards and, uh, you know, other people. And they all had their flashlights, uh, you know, on the ground so he could see where he was going. And when he got to the steps, his stage manager was there. And at best, he and the stage manager usually do a fist bump or something like that. And they grabbed each other and embraced. And, uh, you know, the lights haven't come on yet. The music, the walk-on music's playing and uh, the videos are going. But I, because of where I was seated, I could see all this. And uh, they had this, you know, very intense embrace uh, for a couple of seconds. And uh, I, that brought tears to my eyes, you know, because it's yeah. like, this, this is it. This is it. This well, is it. so you were there for both nights, right? For both of those, mm -hmm. uh, the penultimate and the ultimate night at Stockholm. And how many of the Farewell uh, Yellow Brick Road tour, how many concerts uh, appearances did you attend? I think it's, I have to look it up, but I think it's 31 <laughs> or 32. 32? All, yeah. Oh, my word. I wonder yeah. how many of our colleagues here uh, who will be joining in the, in the roundtable in a moment can top that. But certainly that is quite a, a statistic. I mean, you, you're kind of the resident uh, commentator on the tour. I mean, if you've been to that many concerts, uh, fantastic to hear that. And, and in the wider context, uh, when did you become a fan of Elton John? And overall, how many gigs have you attended? 
I've attended 178 uh, wow. performances. Uh, the, the first time I saw him live in concert was in 1976. Uh, but I had been a fan since June of 1970. I heard Border Song on the radio, and I had no idea who he was. I just knew that I loved this song. The following year, I started junior high school, and I had an incredible choir teacher by the name of Paul Callahan. I'd always been a lover of music, of all types of music. And one day, I walked into Paul's class, and he had... Uh, Levon playing on the hmm. phonograph, and that to me was a religious experience. I mean, I, I did, <laughs> that that song, there was just something about it. And I walked up to him and I said, "You know, wh- who is that?" And he said, "That's Elton John." And I said, "Well, who's Elton John?" And he just looked at me like I was crazy. And he said, "It's the guy you like." And I said, "What do you mean, the guy I like?" And he said, "Your favorite songs from our songbook are all by Elton John." And I was like, oh, wow. You know? So that day, I instead of riding home with a friend of mine like I normally would, I walked home because there was a record store on the, between uh, the school and my home. I bought Madman Across the Water, so that was the first one I owned. Well, of course, he had like five albums out by that point. Sure. And uh, so what I did was every Friday, I would walk home from school and I'd buy another album until I had all five and then um and look what it got you and look what it got you how you know how many more albums since wayne it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much for joining us today and you're uh, very welcome we hope we'll see you somewhere no worries we hope we'll get to 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 meet you in in the flesh again somewhere somehow i'm sure there'll be some something that'll be going on this this ain't the end this is just the end of a chapter thank you wayne martin thanks a lot george Well, gee whiz, indeed. And thank you, Wayne Martin, for your thoughts on Elton John's final tour. Uh, I just want to bring in one other mention, just another quick shout out, if I may. Uh, And that is another American fan who isn't here, but we wanted to hear from so much was our old friend, Sharon Kalinowski. Now, many of you will know her as of 2019. uh, She had already attended a whopping 240. 41 Elton shows in her life. Now, yeah, call call me pedantic, but I would call that pretty amazing. So a big shout out to you, Sharon, and your family. Okay, Okay. and another rocket. I think that went all around the universe and back again. Right, well, we love our rockets on this show. Um, Welcome back. Now we can get into the throes of this programme with our round table. I want to start, if I may, with you, Stefan. Um, As you and me both worked with Sharon 25 years ago, it's been quite a fan ride, hasn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, And first of all, thanks for having me. Yes, Sharon and many other people uh, have been uh, along the path, and 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 that was quite uh, quite interesting. And and as I as I just recently mentioned uh, in one of your reports that you put up on ElgindonWorld.com, um, looking back the, the past forty years since since we became fans, uh, very early in the process, of, to me, uh, you know, Elton more or less was just the occasion, but just meeting up with this big community of Elton fans from around the world became the main topic for me and that was the main excitement. Not to, to say that I didn't enjoy the concert for sure, uh, but um, 
that, that was that was uh, the main reason for me to to really try to attend as many shows in as many different countries as possible and to get to know these people because I think that's one of the fascinating things is that you have an artist that is successful in so many different cultures with so many different age groups and so on mm. and 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 that is I think what is still astonishing to this very day. I think that's very well said Stefan I think I have to agree with you I think uh, the, the fact that Elton has managed to reach out to so many different people from all over the world from all kinds of backgrounds is incredible um, everybody knows the name Elton John I, I mean I say that I've actually come across somebody under the age of 20 who works in a shop that has never heard of Elton John but we're not going to go there but mo most people <laughs> most people around the world have definitely heard of him or know his songs at least um, <coughs> obviously Absolutely. in some cases it, they, if they don't speak English they may not know the name Elton John they don't read English newspapers or whatever but they'll know the song from the radio or somewhere so yeah absolutely and I think it's so true what you said um, I mean I remember Rocket Fan and then of course Hercules as being very much the trailblazers to what has now become very proudly eltonjohn.com no less because we were the if you remember the unofficial fan club when there wasn't a fan club I mean who can remember back in the 1970s there was an official fan club, but it kind of disappeared somewhere, didn't it? And then in 1988, you launched Rocket Fan, so it's been around for a well for a very long time, for decades. Um, and uh, and look where we are now. You've met so many people around the world, and presumably that you, you're in contact with a lot of the people you've met over the years, Stefan. Uh, not as much as I would like to. Uh, you know, I, I think it's quite bizarre if you if you look at the fact that we now live in a world where communication around the world is so easy. <laughs> compared to 1988 when you know everybody was at least a phone call away uh, and, and we didn't have internet and everything like that mm. so the easier it has become to stay in contact uh, the less we seem to be doing it which is kind of strange uh, in a way but uh, uh, you know I don't I don't consider that an Elton John fan problem I think that's a, <laughs> an overall uh, a communication problem of course there are things like Facebook and and, and, and all these other so-called social medias which give you an opportunity. But if I remember back the early 90s when we had the, the real face-to-face -face fan gatherings with, mm -hmm. uh, with uh, um, 30, 40, 50 people meeting up for a long weekend somewhere in, in, in nowhere in Germany, that had, to me, had so much more value than, than just chatting uh, uh, with people around the globe today. Although it's, uh, it's still fascinating, of course, from a technology <coughs> point of view, mm. but it's not the same thing. Um, and that is also something, you know, when I, when I look back uh, a week ago um, uh, in Stockholm, uh, I think it also came down to the fact that this venue, which was massive, it was actually a football stadium where they had a removable uh, roof, uh, which they had closed, so they can turn it from an open uh, uh, football arena into a closed kind of hall. Um, and they had these different sections, so there was not, you know, you couldn't even uh, uh, meet other fans before the show in the in the in the circle around the arena because it was all segmented in some way or form. Uh, so that 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 made things a little tricky, um, and um, and and yeah, I would have loved to have a little bit more of a fan gathering kind of thing, but. Uh, Shame on me as well, you know, we were, uh, my, me and my wife, we came in from Copenhagen where we stayed on a, on a, on a vacation that we have planned long before <laughs> Elton had moved his concerts uh, to Stockholm. Um, and, um, and so we, we kind of moved in and out in, in, in 24 hours and there wasn't really a lot of time to, uh, uh, to connect, which would have been nice. Uh. 
Absolutely. Well, we'll be talking to Paul in just a moment, but let's just take this uh, a little interlude just to have a little bit of a haunting piece of music. Well, it's not curtains. Well, it is a chilling uh, sort of thought, uh, isn't it? Elton retiring? Surely, surely not. Well, the song is called Curtains, of course. It's from the famous uh, Captain Fantastic and Brown Dirt uh, Cowboy album from 75. But Elton is not curtains, most definitely not. And in fact, to tell us more about that is uh, Paul Smith, who joins us from uh, Elton John Online. Uh, Paul, you might want to take issue with something that Stefan just said uh, about the technology and the, you know, the difference between meeting people virtually and meeting people in reality. What's your take? Because you run a Facebook group, don't you? Yes. Um, and, and in effect, it's been going for 25 years now because if, if, if a lot of you remember, there used to be the old thing called Microsoft Networks. Oh, yes. Which when I first um, got online uh, in 1998, the first thing I did was initially started to build my collection through through um, all the various different places like eBay um, and so forth. And then I thought, there's going to be other people across the world that might want stuff from the UK that they haven't been able to get. So I, I established a little thing called my Elton John store back then. And very soon it became apparent that there was a, a, a lot of um, the same people buying stuff from me. And then I thought it would be great to try and link everybody together through some kind of um, online chat forum. And that's, that's exactly what happened with, mm. with the Microsoft Network thing. And uh, within a short space of time, there was like 1,200 members um, that had joined. And they were very core Elton John fans. Fantastic. And a couple of years after that um, was, was formed, the One Night Only concerts came along in New York City. So uh, a lot of us decided from the UK that we wanted to go to those concerts, obviously, because mm. it was quite um, a momentous occasion. It was going to be recorded. It was Elton's 50th concert at Madison Square Garden, his favourite uh, venue. And there it all happened. We managed, to, we managed to get a group of around about 60, 70 people up together from the Elton John Online fan group. Wow. And we all met in New York City before and after the concert. And it just made the whole experience totally different to just go into an Elton John concert and, and many conversations I've had. Uh, Wayne Martin, I've, I've, I've met Wayne for the first time in 25 years since we've known each other a couple of times in the last few months. And we had some amazing discussions and some of the concerts that we were at together in the UK back in the 80s, we didn't know each other then, but that's the difference between the social media now. It's connected so many fans mm. across the world. Mm. I think I have to agree. And I think also, in a way, what, what you did was you kind of connected or joined the dots up, um, if, you, if you will. Because, I mean, obviously there was a fan club already going, which was Hercules. Mm. Eltonjohn.com was about to launch. Um, there was uh, somebody selling a lot of fantastic Elton 
vinyl and memorabilia, mm. who sadly is no longer with us, but I think yeah, we should pay totally. tribute to him. Yeah, Alan McCormick, the wonderful Alan. Yeah, of course. Lovely bloke. And, you know, and he would come with his sort of shop stall of, um, mm. of CDs and, and albums to our conventions, which were face-to-face uh, club events uh, for Hercules back then. Yeah. Um, so, but what you did was you kind of connected all the dots up and said, well, we can actually go wider this because the, on, the internet allow, frees us to do mm. that and empowers us to, to go much wider. And that, that's exactly mm. what you did, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, and to this day, um, with the new format of Elton John Online, which I think started on Facebook about 10 years ago now, and we have about 13,000 fans. And I do I do moderate it very harshly because um, a lot of the fan groups out there, there's so much spam flying around. You mm-hmm. look at the members and some of them have got about 100 Elton Johns and 100 yeah. Bernie Torpins and 100 Davies Furniture. They're not moderated very well. And I do a very deep moderation of people that want to join Elton John online and I think I eliminate most of the the dodgy characters and I think we've got a genuine fan base of of 13,000 people in there that are genuine Elton fans and there's a core amount of them that interact and make the group what it is and and again even at Stockholm this this last weekend or last weekend many of us got together I had lunch meetings dinner meetings breakfast meetings random people just coming up to me saying are you paul smith because they recognize me from the group but you know running the group with thirteen thousand people i can't remember them all apart from the core people that that i keep in a lot of contact with on a on a, on a very regular basis yeah we saw you with your um your your uh, um, heavy disguise on the bbc <laughs> of course um which i know they asked you to, to dress in i know you weren't planning on yes. it but that's what they asked for they said get, get <laughs> us the glasses and get us the glad rags you did a very yeah. good job on that and uh, it was great to hear your thoughts from from stockholm there um yeah. now wh- one of the things i suppose that's really interesting is um um you know obviously um it where you started, because you, you, you've been a fan much longer than 1998 mm. when you started the uh, the online yeah. service. But when 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 did you just tell us briefly when when did you start being a fan and why? Yeah, well, it was um, it was in 1972, November 1972 to be exact. And my brother, who's eight years older than me, he started bringing in. He just started work at 16. I was still eight, and he started bringing in a lot of music to the house. Um, and, um, you know, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, David Bowie, all the people of the time. And I used to listen to his records a lot when he was out at work. And then I thought to myself, you know, I'd like to find some music of my own to, to get into. And we were sat down watching the TV on a Sunday night, as you do, when the Royal Variety performance comes on. And this character called Elton John came on and he sang Crocodile Rock. And I think I'm going to kill myself. Mm. Crocodile Rock, I just fell in love with the song. Uh, and, you know, he was dressed to impress uh, a youngster at that time. He had his sort of like shiny silver, pink and blue suit on with his top hat. And his personality just came through in that in that performance. And I thought, yeah, this is somebody I think I could get into. So I bought the, the single the following Saturday with my pocket money. And I think it was about 45p then. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, obviously the B, <laughs> the B side to Crocodile Rock was Elderberry Wine, mm-hmm. um, and I absolutely played that single to death week in week out, and I think my family were getting fed up with it. So by the time my ninth birthday came along, Don't Shoot Me had come out uh, in in June 1973. So my parents bought me that for my birthday. 
and you know, I was pretty naive. I was an eight-year-old back then. I didn't really even know Elton John had a new album out. Um, so, uh, so they bought me that. And again, as, as a youngster of nine years old, I, I, I was quite sort of strange because most of my most of my um, friends at school were into Gary Glitter and, and other people from the glam rock game. And I think Elton John's music, even then, was a little bit more mature. Uh, but that album, again, I just played it to death again because it was all that I had. And then Christmas came along and uh, Christmas 73 and I got Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. And, uh, and then it just kept going on and on. I, I, I got presents. I was easy to buy presents for from there on in. So, so my family always bought me a record. And I think by around about 1974, with all the birthdays and other things that are coming along, I virtually got the whole back catalogue. And from 74 onwards, I got every album and single as it came out. Amazing, isn't it? I tell you what, uh, mm. that's, I mean, you mentioned Elderberry Wine, a fine vintage of a song it is, pardon the mm. pun. Uh, but one story that I really liked was, was Wayne earlier, where he, he was a fan and he didn't even know it. I love that. That was yes. great. Wasn't that, a cra- yeah. wasn't that a great revelation, that? Okay. Yeah, that, that was perfect. Uh, tell us about the tour itself now. Now, taking it broadly, because you've been to more than one gig on the Farewell Yellow Brick Road uh, tour. So I know you were at the both nights uh, at Stockholm, but... Taken together, what, what what are your sort of standout memories from this tour? From the whole tour, I think it's the theatrics of it. I mean, this was, in my opinion, the most theatrical tour of the lot with the backdrop videos, the lighting, the fact that we had not only Nigel Olsen and, and John Mahone giving um, their, their, their bits into it, but the fact that Ray Cooper joined it all the way through, which I thought was absolutely incredible because... You know, that took me right back to my first concert that I ever saw in 1979, where mm. it was just Elton and Ray Cooper on the single man tour. But to have Ray Cooper there in the background, I mean, I mean, who can play a tambourine and make it theatrical? It's Ray Cooper, <laughs> isn't it? And he can, he can virtually steal a show just by being on the backdrop video uh, in its entirety, just showing him whacking his tambourine. But yeah, I, I think that was for me the culmination of all the shows I've been to over the years. This was the most theatrical. It was obviously very well planned, the whole stage set up, everything, um, and the way the stage was presented with the, like, the cutout into it, and they just all fell back into the scenery, and yeah, yeah, yeah it was just, it was just the whole, the whole thing. I think Ray is an inc- he's, he's an enigma. Um, he is just somebody yeah. in a completely league of his own. I mean, the, the man is not as young as some of us here tonight. No. Um, but um, yet he gives so much energy that he puts mm. people half his age to shame. And I mean, I, how he does it, I mean, he's had a few of his own, uh, you know, things to deal with in his life, mm. uh, health scares and so on. And yet look mm. at him, he's he's always, always on top form. And as you say, he's a yeah. showstopper. Um, so absolutely yeah. wonderful. Wonderful to have him there. Yeah. Um, okay, well, that's great. Uh, I think what we'll do now, we, we might get Claude back, but I think Claude Bernardin, who's joining us from the US is having a few technical problems so we may you know in the spirit of live radio we, we we can't change that we can't backtrack it so if he can rejoin us later he will uh, but I think um, at this point um, as we, we don't have Claude we're going to go uh, soldier on with the show and uh, yeah we need that just to clear the air so we get we get our next guests on and so what I'm going to do now is actually I'm going to introduce reintroduce uh, Tanya and Sandra Diffiding from Luxembourg. Can you hear us? 
Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Okay. Now, I'm going to have struggle here because as you're identical twins, uh, you probably sound identical as well, and I'm not going to know who's talking and who's not talking. So um, I don't know how we want to do this, but maybe if you want to say Sandra here, Tanya here, we'll do it that way. All right. Okay. <laughs> no let's, let's see how, how we go. So first of all, thank you for patiently waiting, both of you, uh, to be on the show today. Ladies, it is often said that twins transfer emotions between themselves. Is that how you feel about the end of Elton's touring days? Sandra here. Okay, Sandra, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so um, Sandra here. It's, uh, well, I... Th- I am sure my sister just feels like me. We were kind of really sad that it was the end. But in the other way, of course, uh, we now reflect on all the concerts we went to. And we definitely go from the idea that there will be more concerts. (laughs) So uh, we we hope still. But uh, yeah, we feel definitely the same way. And it is in a way good that we are both the same. So we can discuss about it and we can share our, our feelings and emotions. Right, right. So uh, that's not a bad thing, I think. So what you're saying is that you're both sort of living in denial, denial that Elton's touring and concerts are over. Is that right? <laughs> well, ta- Tanya here. Um, well, we, we are very aware that it, it's the end of the touring life. But as Elton said himself, there will be one or the other thing coming on so we will wait for those and definitely we will be there when they are coming so we are not in complete denial but still hope that there will be things coming up <laughs> okay well let's uh, let I, I think you're right and i think there is going to be a lot more still to come um elton isn't one very good at retiring let's be honest right he's done that he's done that retirement routine a few times too many and people don't believe it so you're right to to hold on to to hold on and clutch on to that that hope that he will be doing something uh, live in the future he's certainly going to be recording we know that much we, we know there's an album in the works and other things are planned um i'm sure there'll be a lot of tv interviews and other things going on and he'll be probably mentoring young artists as he's been doing anyway for quite some years but maybe now it'll become more of a focus for him and let's not forget Watford Football Club boy do they need some leadership over there right now he may very well be going back to Watford to uh, you know kick a few balls and perhaps um, kick a few egos as well oh was that one of his songs I think it was wasn't it 1978 anyway um, digressing as we did um, Sandra and Tanya tell us about your your lasting memories from this tour Oh, well, Tanya here. I think there are many. It, it was just amazing. We went to nine shows. We had tickets for more, but as we work as teachers, for us, it's not very easy always to do it because we have to go to our school at work. So we had to cancel a few shows, unfortunately, because they were moved and rescheduled several times. Yeah. But our memories will definitely be that whole show, the whole atmosphere. I think we were in Stockholm also on the last one, and Mm. it was a big celebration. And that's the one I think for me is the most memorable of them all because it was a huge party somehow. You could feel people were emotional, but at the same time, they wanted to have an amazing time together. And you could feel it it was 
a, a whole atmosphere of party and just enjoying themselves and yeah make it the best possible and that i think will stay with me forever it's amazing hearing what you just said there tanya and and, and also sandra because uh, it sounds to me like um you you both have the same day job right you both are teachers you both live in the same house you both are huge diehard fans of elton you both went to stockholm is there anything you guys ladies in this case don't do <laughs> Sandra here. Yeah, definitely. We have our own lives too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, that's fantastic. I'm, you know, we, we have to call you the stereo twins, you know. I mean, that's what it's got to be now, you know, give it a proper musical yeah. edge. <laughs> okay. Well, there is a funny anecdote to that because uh, because we are twins, but we are both musicians as well. Oh. So um, we actually play with one of Elton's uh, earlier musicians, John Jorgensen, uh, awesome. quite some concerts. Mm -hmm. And because we are twins, he likes our sound because we are playing the same way. So we work the same way. And that's what amazes the, the audience when we go to play to concerts with him. So he really likes it a lot. Ladies, would so you like to say quite something? <laughs> would you like to say hello to John Jorgensen right now on the show? Over to you. Oh, we can. Hey, John. Uh, <laughs> as you know, we went to uh, many Elton concerts in the past, and I told you about it. So, uh, whenever you see uh, the musicians, say hi to them as well. And uh, well, we definitely will see you very soon again. And it's just wonderful that we got to meet you through Elton John in a way because otherwise we never would could have met isn't that amazing what a so, lovely story uh, that's quite and a thing it's incredible how we connect and you know what i've heard lots of stories you heard there paul earlier mentioning how it, it a community has been built and, and people have connected it's great to hear your musical artist artistry as, as well connecting with in this case uh, a, a very famous elton guitarist by the name of John Jorgensen. Um, and also, we even know of fans who've gone to concerts and have got married. Oh, yes, we've had everything in this in this business. I mean, it's incredible. Right, I think we should take a break and let's savour the moment. Um, but before we do, I just want to say, if you want to have a glass of water, anyone, please go ahead. I heard somebody earlier on pouring themselves a glass of, I hope it was water. Um, <laughs> it was great. that that that's Keep them coming, by the way, because that's like being at a conference where you've got a table and you've got people talking around the table in front of an audience and you've got the water bottles and people start pouring the pouring into the glass so keep it coming in the meantime let's hear this fabulous song that seems so right for this moment
Elton John and You Can Make History Young Again. That's a blast from the 1990s here on Radio Elton John. You're joining us for the Fan Round Table, the first ever, and we're really delighted to have Stefan Heimbecker, Paul Smith, also Tanya and Sandra Diffiding on the show. And apologies, we probably have lost today Claude Bernardin, but we'll see if there's still hope to bring him back. Anyway, welcome back, everyone. Now, I have to say, first of all, that um, I've always wondered about that particular song because there's a bass line in there that it always sounds like a bunch of eruptions, like a series of earthquakes going on. Can anyone fill us in on that? Maybe I can ask Stefan that question because you you work in broadcasting, don't you? So what is that kind of crashing noise that we keep hearing in in that particular song? If I would know, I have no idea. Quite <laughs> frankly, but do you hear and it? Also, or am I imagining? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I no, hear it as well. Uh, although I have to, I have to admit, I haven't heard uh, that song in ages. Uh, but um, yeah, yeah, I hear it as well. You do. Okay. All right. Super. It's, I'm, I'm not going insane. Well, maybe I am, but not completely. Okay, good. All right. Well, I'm going to keep digging into that and finding out from the producers what actually happened. Paul, do, have you, are you, you run a record shop in your daytime and, and yeah. made you have time to moderate a Facebook group to tell you the truth. I mean, what, what's going on in that song? What, what, what caused that effect? Because it's, it's weird. It kind of slightly distracts from it, from the, the, the message of the song, I think. Definitely some kind of... Um electronic drum synthetic sound isn't it but um yeah i don't know like stefan i've not heard that song for absolute years <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i haven't had much time to think about it until you just mentioned it <laughs> <laughs> well we like to surprise you with songs on this show and yeah. in fact that's that's one of the beauties is we've got about 500 songs to select from so let's mm. be honest i mean it's there's there's certainly no shortage of of content out there um elton has just been one of the most prolific musicians hasn't he um okay well this is the part of the show where we kind of open this up to everyone so this is where you can all sort of crash in with your thoughts okay um now i'd like to start if i may uh, just by reminding you of something that actually went on in the tour um so i'm just going to play you with something um that you will instantly recognize now if like me you went to any of elton's world tour dates you will have heard him say something like this i will never forget you you're in my head and my heart and my soul um, you've been amazing. You've been an incredible crowd tonight. Well, he said that around about 330 times, I think, on this tour. <laughs> Wayne was telling us that he went to 32 shows. So I'm guessing he's he's heard it so many times he's he's forgotten it's in there because it's just so instinctively part of the uh, the the furniture now. Um, so let's open this this dialogue dialogue up a bit and maybe um, just asking, you know. Isn't this part of the problem when you do so many gigs that you end up reciting the very same lines like in a theatre production? I mean, how sincere does it sound after you've heard it a, a dozen times? Yeah, that was exactly one of the problems that I had, and I have only seen uh, seven of the Farewell show tours, mm -hmm. uh, 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 tour shows. <laughs> yep. That's the right uh, way. Um, Although in very different uh, locations. So I went to Auckland, I saw him at the Dodger oh, wow. Stadium. Uh, of course, in my hometown in Munich, um, and then in Stockholm. And it's, yeah, it's a little bit bizarre. On the other hand, I do understand, um, if, because you have the same phenomenon uh, when you see, uh, like, uh, sports guys or others being asked after a match, and they always kind of seem to give the same kind of um, answer. I think it kind of crawls into your mind, and then you can't, you can't help but just... Uh, replaying the same phrases uh, over and over again. But I wish uh, 
he would have changed that a little bit and I wish also uh, he would have picked uh, different set lists at least for different parts of the world or at least one or two songs different um, but having said that uh, you just mentioned you know, there are so many songs that he can choose from and there's even so many hit songs that he can uh, choose from um, it is it is a tough thing and and what Paul mentioned earlier the theatrical approach of the production of course makes it more difficult to deviate from from anything uh, uh, from a routine because then the guy behind the um, uh, um, 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 video poll goes crazy because <laughs> he doesn't know what to put on the screen and stuff right Exactly. No, that's a very good point. You, you, you're kind of in a, in a technical straitjacket, aren't you? Once you go down that route of having a, a, a production which is elaborate like this, and it was, it was lavish. I mean, there was no expense spared, the videos and everything else. I mean, I really love that video, by the way, that they used, I think, during uh, uh, Someone Saved My Life Tonight, you know, with, with the, the kind of cartoon screens from the Captain mm -hmm. Fantastic. Um, I, I would love them to put that on, on a DVD and I'd buy it. I just loved it. I mean, with the, with the music obviously playing in the background would be great. But I, that was a really nice piece of work, wasn't it? I don't know who actually produced that. Does anyone here know who, was, who's, who's, should, who takes the credit for producing that particular animation? I, I don't know. No, don't worry. Maybe don't worry. David Lush-Chaparel, because he was involved oh, with a yeah. lot of the um, videos in the Million Dollar yeah. Piano show. Wasn't it? There you go. That's, oh, that's yeah, a good start. Yeah, maybe. May you know, we, we always think that the people in the production need to also be given the credit, and, and we do that when we can on this show. So we would love to, to say thank you to whoever it was, and, and David, as you say, may very well have been who was responsible for that. Good thought, that, Paul. Um, Paul, maybe... Yeah, yeah, you, also, George, yes. just, just going back to your initial question of, mm. like, Elton's repetitiveness. Yes. I suppose what we haven't got to forget is we're, we're going to these shows as diehard fans who... Some I know, I know some people that have gone 40 times plus, mm. but some people that have been to these shows would have only been once. So I suppose Elton was thinking mm -hmm. of them, that they want to hear him say that. Yeah, absolutely. No, this is this is where, where you have to sort of strike the balance, and, and repetition is always a problem. Um, made made all the more painful with the, the feedback that we're getting, which means everything I'm saying is repeated to you, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just that's yeah, just how it is listen this is live radio folks this is how it works okay um but staying with repetition because i think it's a very good point that also uh, that stefan made there about the song list the set list okay um now a, a lot of the fans have been writing into us and complaining and saying look the set list was totally set i mean literally set like a blancmange jelly and heavily skewed towards the 1970s and some of his biggest hits were left out. Obviously, we know that uh, some of them got showcased in Elton's single, recent singles hits. So things like, you know, Kiss the Bride from the 80s and Sacrifice from the 90s did get kind of repurposed, if you will, or redesigned. Um, what, what do you think the tour, uh, you know, is that something that, that, that bothered you, that, that it, was, it was so heavily to the 70s? I mean, if you were a, a young person and you, you became a fan in the 90s because of Lion King and you were a seven or eight-year-old, you, you didn't really feel that there was a lot of Lion King going on in that show. Yeah, that's exactly what, what, what I tried to say earlier. You know, it's, it's, um, it's hard to pick and hard to, pick, uh, hard to please everybody. But I agree that the, the ballads could have been better than what he presented. I don't want to complain about the focus on the 70s personally because I would consider myself more of a 70s fan, although I only became a fan in the 80s. 
Um, but yeah, you know, there should have been a little bit from every decade or something like that, right? Yeah. Uh, and especially as you could tell, especially if you look at um, uh, Glastonbury, for example, you know, the, the, the huge crowd that they pulled there and, 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 and the wide variety of people. And that was also apparent in Stockholm and in Munich and other places. And so it's not only the old guys like us that go to these shows, um, <laughs> but there's a lot of very, very young people. Yeah, and absolutely. that is what is what's really amazing. And, and yep, yeah, and, yep. and there's the, there certainly is the, um, the Lion King genera fan generation, mm. but that is 95, so that's already ages ago. Um, so there's a lot of people after that that, and people still becoming an, uh, an Elton fan, and 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 going back to what Wayne said earlier, you know, uh, like I said, I became a, a fan in the early '80s, so there was already a lot of stuff that he had produced at the time, not only the five albums that uh, Wayne had to catch up with, and and I had a little bit of a similar effect in in, in the way that uh, uh, you know I got hooked with. Um, uh, with uh, I'm Still Standing, which uh, actually was played accidentally uh, by uh, a jukebox in a pub in Hastings where we stayed with the class <laughs> at the time. What and I, uh, <laughs> I picked a different song for three times in a row and, uh, and, the, and the machine was already a little bit uh, uh, um, whatever mixed up and, and, and picked uh, I'm Still Standing for three times in a row. And I was like, oh, that's a nice, that's a nice one. So I, when I was back uh, home, I picked up um, the Two Love for Zero album. I absolutely fell in love with mm. that. And then I started to go back. And of course, what do you do? You start with the Greatest Hits uh, album. Mm -hmm. um, and then you realize that you know all these songs and you always mm -hmm. loved all these songs, mm -hmm. but you never connect the dots and you never yep. realize they are all coming from the same from the same guy. And I often wonder if you become an Elton John fan these days, <laughs> you know, what, what kind of an effect <laughs> That would be, it's like a hundred times the effect that, that I lived through in the, in the early 80s, because there are so many songs out there that all of us uh, have heard a million times, but, but maybe never realized that they, that they all belong to the same guy. Right? Well, you made a few very add, interesting um, points. Yes, go on, Paul. I can add a bit of um, live frontline interaction here, because obviously running a record shop, I see what people are buying mm. a lot of, and... The youngsters, you know, and I consider the youngsters as teenagers that come into my shop. They're still buying all the old stuff from the 70s. You know, yeah. my, my best-selling album in the shop of Elton's at the moment is Tumbleweed Connection. Mm. Probably helped yeah. by the fact that I do play it a lot in the shop. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, that that is the biggest album that's sold across the shop to all age generations. I even get, you know, people of my age coming in the shop that have never heard that album before, and they just buy it straight off the platter. But... The youngsters are buying the, the the first two greatest hits albums, Volume One and Volume Two, a lot. Uh, obviously, Diamonds is a big seller because mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. the current one. Mm -hmm. But I very rarely sell much of Elton's eighties uh, and and nineties stuff, which is unbelievable. Because, like Stefan just said, there's some great music. In those albums and um, mm -hmm. you know a lot of people wrote Elton John off after the the 70s but I think some of his best work came out you know all throughout the 80s 90s and and 2000s yeah he's got staying Songs power from the west coast is a great example mm, of absolutely that. absolutely yeah I'm American yeah. Triangle which we featured recently one of mm. Adam Chester's favorite songs I can see why I mean it is it's such an evocative song about a in this case also a very true yeah. and very tragic situation so I, I agree um, I, and I think what you 
you know, you and me actually have got something in common there, uh, Paul, because you probably don't know this, but back in 1989, I, I was working in WH Smith's record department. So in the, in the days when they actually <laughs> no, sold CDs and vinyls. Yeah. 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 So I, I did an, a year of that as a student and uh, I was playing uh, Sleeping With The Past to death in 89 mm. and 90. And so, of course, I claim that I single-handedly got that album to number one because the <laughs> Richmond Upon Thames <laughs> branch of W.A. Smith had that playing. The manager came to me and said, why do you keep playing that music? I said, is it bad? He paused and he said, no, no it's not bad. I said, well, then this let me carry on then. It's, it, we're shifting we're shifting volume here, pal. Yeah. You know. <laughs> So yeah, we did. There's, there's not one duff track on that album, is there? No, it's you brilliant. Play it straight through, and there's nothing you sort of listen to, and you think, you know, that's one that I could skip. But the whole album is yeah. brilliant. It, well, what that's he did. The album we fell in love with Elton John, mm. by the is way. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. 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 It was, was sacrifice that was mm. always played yeah. in a music box somewhere, mm. and then we totally fell in love with that. And the same year, we just heard tonight just by coincidence and then we realized it was the same guy who had also written sacrifice and then we just we went to the record shop and we tried to find everything we could and then we emptied the shop really, went home with all the albums and then we discovered everything but i must say i also fell in love a lot with the 70s things by the way, were you using your parents' credit card for all this, by the way? <laughs> no, we, <laughs> it was our own pocket money and <laughs> we emptied everything. <laughs> we had all the coins, everything to get together That's a as much story. as we only could. Yeah. That's a great story. Now, thank you for sharing that, Tanya. That's a really great story. Um, I, th I think, uh, yeah, I mean, we've all got great stories like that uh, from from those from from how how we became fans or whatever. So you you and and uh, Sandra have actually uh, are actually the youngest fans that are among us here because both me and Stefan became fans more or less the same month. I, I think I, I don't know. I'm not here to to you know take the credit for it, but I do remember that the thing that got me hooked was the song just before I'm still standing, where. Um, Elton was a stage uh, was sorry was a guest on the program uh, Blue Peter, which is a, a British children's uh, TV program, and Simon Groom asked him the question uh, because he just releases this song called I guess that's why they call it the Blues, which now of course is inescapably on every single concert he does. Bless him, um, and and Simon Groom said to him, so how do you do it? You know, how do you do hit after hit? And Elton just looked at him blankly and said, well, I don't know really. I just sit down there and just write it and there, there it is and I, some, there was something so honest and genuine about the way you answer that question I said this bloke is for real this isn't choreographed now even as a child I, I twigged with me that this guy is actually just being very very honest I don't know it just comes to me you know and there you go the rest is history wonderful wonderful so um, uh, maybe Sandra and Tanya tell us a little bit more uh, from your perspective from from Stockholm anything that you particularly want to share with with all the other fans about about those last emotional concerts well I I think I'm, I'm very glad that we went there because it was a closure of a whole era I would mm. say and I, I could feel two things there. On one hand, I could feel Elton was emotional, but on the other hand, I could also feel that he just, he, he wanted it to end in a big celebration. But you could see at certain moments that he was very emotional also. And yeah, I felt bad for that. And I went to the concert 
I thought, I thought oh, I will, I will cry, cry in the end. end. And I was a little scared of that moment. But somehow I just, the atmosphere was so party-like that I didn't cry. But I, on the other, I was really feeling grateful for all the moments I could have in all these 30 years of going to concerts. And all that came back to my mind, all the people I had met all these all moments, moments, all these all memories. memories. And, mm. somehow, and somehow I just, I just didn't, didn't cry, but, but I felt a lot of gratitude in that moment. So Sandra and that Tanya. Was very special. Very special. Tell us, um, from what you heard earlier, we were talking about the set list as well. Do you think that the tour was a good retrospective of Elton's career, or would you have changed something? Well, I, I agree a bit with what I heard from uh, the other ones. Mm -hmm. uh, I also would have maybe chosen some special songs, let's say, some other songs that you hear all the time, uh, maybe some 80s more. But for, my, for me, for what, what I love, the songs were there, like Levin. I love Levin, I love Have Mercy on the Criminal and mm -hmm. songs like that, really a lot. Mm -hmm. And I guess they have to do a choice for everyone. Um, it's always difficult, I guess, to have a right choice for everyone because it's, there are so many people, everyone has different expectations, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yeah. So to, to agree on which songs you play and to do a set list that will be good for everyone, I guess that's just the thing of the impossible. Mm. But uh, yeah, I would have loved to have some more special songs, but that's more, I guess, the fans who ask that, you know, but the, they have to think about the general public, the yeah. general public, of yeah. course. And the long-suffering partners who try to avoid listening to Elton in the house and, you know, they come to a concert like this and then they want to hear something that they are familiar with. Yeah, I guess yeah, you're right. Yeah, definitely. Now, one of the things that, you know, I was campaigning for back in 2019 was this idea that Elton might turn his tour into a series of gala celebratory surprises. Okay, I mean, after all, he was the, the magician of music back in the 70s. He would always surprise us with his costumes and his set lists would change often and he would do some very experimental things as well with his music um, back in the 70s. But, um, you know, with what I was thinking of was, was perhaps bringing in various surviving band members uh, to do some jamming on stage and, and as well as having, the, obviously, the, the permanent band members. Um, more like a party, but I guess what um, you know, Stefan was saying earlier is it becomes incredibly difficult to do all that when you choreograph an event quite as much as it as it as it was. Paul, do, do you do you wish there were there were we saw more faces on stage? Yeah, it would have been nice. I mean, obviously we did have uh, the little bit of luck of John Jorgensen appearing for a while while yeah. Davey was off doing whatever he was doing, recovering from his um, shoulder operation, mm. I believe. Mm. Um, but in but recent, recent times, time, I, I suppose Caleb Quay has come back into the forefront a little mm. bit with his new documentary, which I think is really good. And um, it would have been it would have been nice to have seen Caleb perhaps as a, yeah. an original surviving member to have come on and just even did something. That would have been great, I think. Yeah, or even at, a, at an arena near to where he lives, and we don't have to necessarily, yeah, yeah. you know, create uh, more more uh, logistical problems. No, absolutely, I think the, the same way. Now, it was um, in all, what, 330 shows, right, this, this tour? 
Um, but m many of the gigs um, were, of course, in, in the same sort of locations. So, for example, the O2 Arena in London, I think graced, what, 16 shows or something like that, which was quite amazing. Um, I'm sure that a lot of locations around the world were not involved or not included in the tour. Um, now, all this actually did was then cause uh, thousands of fans to go trekking across the globe to see El Elton in other parts of the world only adding to the carbon footprint, which, of course, is something we're all trying to avoid these days uh, as we want a responsible, sustainable planet. How do we get the balance right? What, what do you think? But Stefan, maybe you're a big globetrotter in your day job. So how do you feel about the, the carbon footprint? And, and could, could more have been done to get Elton to, to the people rather than getting the people to Elton? Well, first of all, uh, fortunately, uh, I cut down a lot uh, on that on that uh, traveling in the meantime uh, for exactly those reasons. Right. Excellent. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, how can you do it? You know, I think what you wanted to do is really say goodbye to his fans all around the world, mm -hmm. and that's the only way you can do it by by traveling. Of course, uh, there was never any plans of Elton to drag us around the globe as well. <laughs> you just decided to uh, do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, he, he could have maybe sponsored uh, an additional uh, plane for all of us to follow him. And that would have been a little bit less of a, of a carbon footprint there. Um, but um, yeah, but yeah, I, I understand. And, and, you know, I'm always torn and twisted with, with these kind of things. So on the one hand, yes, you know, we absolutely need to do something. Um, but uh, I, I also don't think that we can go from the one extreme to the other extreme in like no time now. So, mm -hmm. and, and I don't know uh, um, what's happening in the UK and other places, but we do have these uh, um, climate uh, people that are, that are uh, gluing themselves onto the streets and, and lately also on runways uh, of airports and stuff like that. Well, which is kind of a very radical approach. And again, as much as I support the cause at, uh, itself, um, you you cannot you cannot uh, we, or we cannot shoot ourselves back into the stone age. Yeah. Uh, just and, and even in the stone age, <laughs> I'm sure they weren't 100% uh, sustainable in in many many aspects. So yes, it is very very important to have a certain level of awareness and to think twice whether uh, to take a flight or a train or whatever um, and, and other things uh, you know i do a lot of stuff uh, just by biking here so i don't even have a car for more than 20 years or mm -hmm. even longer mm -hmm. so i think you know everybody should should pick whatever kind of contribution he can he can uh, afford uh, but uh, then it shouldn't should not be blamed if there's something left which is not uh, completely uh, uh, sustainable because let's let's face it, uh, nobody is perfect, um, and um, and that is what what is really critical at the moment that that we have this kind of situation that there are these radical people that blame you for everything you do which is not right. You know, if you eat meat, oh, you know, you kill the planet, um, and. Um, yeah, you know, let, let, let's not go <laughs> let's not further go into that. Yeah, no, yeah. No, absolutely. Okay, no, but an interesting perspective. So thank you for that. Um, I, I wonder, you know, one of the things that I have heard from fans, which is, I think, actually outrageous and uh, depressing as well to hear sometimes, is that when they, they say that, well, Elton's recent tour, he wasn't singing as well as he did in the 1970s. And I'm thinking, to myself, yes, but he's 50 odd years older than he was in yeah. the 1970s. What, what are we comparing here? I mean, he seemed to sing very well, but but 
Paul, I don't know what your take was. I don't know what you thought of my review of Glastonbury, but I wasn't there. You were, of course. I physically wasn't, wasn't there. Or at least I think you were there, weren't you? Is that no, right? no, I, was, I wasn't at Glastonbury. I only watched it on Oh, you watched TV. it on TV. Okay, my apologies. I yeah. thought you were actually there. Okay. Yeah. Well, in any case, yeah. um, you know, I was a viewer as well. And to me, it looked as though... I mean, to, to me, the singing was great. I mean, it's, it's Elton in this mm. part of the century. This is how he's supposed to sing. And he sang absolutely, in that sense, faultlessly, I would say. But uh, one thing I did notice is in the first half of the show at Glastonbury, he seemed to be quite tense. He, he's, it took a while for him to sort of loosen up and smile and, and sort of enjoy the, the gig. Mm. Did you sense that? I did, and I suppose in some respects, although Elton was a professional performer and he's performing in front of you know, many thousands of people at the likes of Dodger Stadium and even back in the day at Central Park, mm. he obviously knew this was going out to, as it turned out, the biggest ever BBC audience ever for Glastonbury. So I suppose that was on his mind a little bit. He mm. thought, you know, there's no hiding here. I've got to get this right. And um, I think he did an amazing job, uh, to be honest. Mm. And, and as I said in my BBC interview um, earlier in the week, I think the pandemic was probably a blessing in disguise because I think if we were all honest, there's been times where Elton's voice has sounded, you know, a little bit kind of um, as if he's done too much and it's been a little bit croaky and shouty at times. And I mean, when you think of it, we've just been talking about he's done 300 odd shows for the farewell tour, but really he's been doing a hundred shows every year since about 1997. So Mm. The farewell tour was just an extension of a, a massive world tour that's been going on for thirty odd years, and <laughs> incredible. <laughs> and, I, isn't and it? I think that 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 started to show at, at times, you know. And um, yeah, he lost know, his I, patience, I remember... didn't he? On a few occasions, he lost his patience. I know some of the fans were a bit upset on the on the earlier mm. uh, gigs. I can't remember where it was. It was what part of the world yeah. he was in, but I know there was some sound issue, and he kind of lost his rag with some of the people yeah. who were working for him. I mean, that wasn't yeah, really fun. That wasn't fun. Isn't he? No, yeah. no, it wasn't fun. But I suppose he's a kind of perfectionist, isn't he? And um, mm. you think how many notes he must have played over the course of that that uh, tour and all the ones that I went to, he never dropped a bum note, did he? I mean, he's no, just such no. a perfectionist. And if something's not quite right, <laughs> then, um, you know, he wants the best all the time for, for everyone to perform, doesn't he? And his musicians are just fantastic. I mean, I, I you know, they... They obviously rehearse a lot. Elton doesn't. That's why he's got Adam Chester. But the fact that Elton doesn't go to rehearsals says something about the man, doesn't it? That, you know, he's he's he's, mm. he's played those songs so many times over the year. He doesn't feel the need to go to rehearsals anymore. And and he just drops into those shows. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realise. He probably They probably think he's rehearsing all the time, but he's not, is he? His rehearsal is, is the shows themselves. <laughs> that's pretty much the case, indeed, indeed. And it seems to still enjoy it once he's actually live and he's thriving from that yeah. audience uh, response and reaction. I, I, just something dawned on me while you were talking there about um, how, you know, how much he's played um, over the years. And I'm sort of thinking to myself, wouldn't it be amazing? This is the ultimate fan challenge. And I'm putting this out to all of you and anyone <clears> and everyone who's listening is what would it be like if somebody could work out how many piano keynotes ding 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 did it ding right how many he has played in his whole career right that would mean taking every album every rehearsal every acetate demo everything else right every concert in every country in every whatever and then using algorithms probably artificial intelligence to figure this all out I wonder what what we would come up with. 
And before you say that's impossible, we'll never get there, I can tell you there have been some amazing things done. Stefan, I don't know if you've ever been to the Beethoven house in Bonn. I was recently yeah. there myself, an amazing place and a, a mecca for any musician and anyone who's interested in music. Um, and they have now, uh, it turns out that there is in fact a 10th symphony um, of, uh, from from. Uh, from uh, 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 Beethoven, and it, it it wasn't done in his lifetime. It was done by a computer. They took all his music, they worked out the trend lines. What was he progressing towards? What was he going away from in terms of his style? And then they used artificial intelligence to write the music score. And then they got a real orchestra, uh, backed by Deutsche uh, Telekom, I think it was, uh, to 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 record it. And it sounds ever so Beethoven. <laughs> So, you yeah. know what, we may get that one day. We might get somebody doing the notes and calculating this, and we may even get Elton John albums for centuries to come. Well, now, wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> what would you, would you say to that? <laughs> Thank you. I think, I think everybody agrees with that idea. You know, that wonderful thing about self-gratification on a mixer is that you can do all this and you can get the right result from anything you say. But anyway, back to the reality of the programme itself. And, and we're nearly out of time, but just want to uh, ask you one sort of last uh, big, big question. Now, this is a, a, a pretty heavy topic, but believe it or not, this is something that actually came into us from some of the fans um, before we, we, we uh, came to today's programme. Um, some people have said, well... Let's start with the reality. Elton has described his band, and I know he said this in, in, um, in Glastonbury, and he said it also in Stockholm, that this band he had on stage was the very best. And I have to agree that they have been the most loyal, outstanding, and gifted musicians that you could get. I have no doubt about that. But there are fans who are now complaining, maybe a bit late now they've missed the bus and the, the tour is over, but they've been complaining that um, in these gender-neutral times, um, what what does everyone think about this notion that there were there were never women in the, who were musicians and they are all white? Uh, any thoughts about that? I mean, it doesn't bother me particularly. I mean, I just come for the music and the entertainment. But you know, in these gender neutral times, perhaps Tanya and and and, um, and your sister, you you might have thoughts on this. And Sandra might have uh, thoughts about this. Do you do, are you do you ever regret that there were no women in the band? Well, no. I mean, there <laughs> okay. were background singers, and yep. you have great, great female musicians for sure. But mm. I think, very well, Elton John had the same musicians for a very long time. And if you like people, and if you are really happy with what they do, why should you change? Yeah, it's family. So it becomes family, doesn't it? Exactly. Mm. So I totally understand that. Also, on this tour, he wanted to have the musicians around him that he knows. He knows what to expect from them. And they are just, uh, they are like a family. You said it. And I would not change something that works out fine. Yeah. But of course, I would have loved to see a woman here and there from time to time. That's clear. But it just didn't happen. But I don't think that has anything to do with... Uh, gender things going against women or whatever. I don't think it's that. It's just that he had these musicians. He he also found new musicians through the band members that were there. It was connections they had and they brought them into the band. And I'm sure if that had been women, well, that wouldn't have been any problem at all. It was just that it that it didn't happen and that's it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know, does do any of the gents want to comment on that? 
was, was just going to make a joke. Uh, you know, at least uh, Kim and Davy have long hair, so that's a good start, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I suppose if you go right back to the start, um, obviously Elton had Caleb in the band, who was yep. black. So, that's right. yep. so there was ever there was never any um, racism intended. I don't think by yeah. Elton not. You know, and, and Caleb joined the band back again in the, in the mid seventies, didn't he? And he did indeed. As Sandra just said, these had female backing vocalists, and I think some of them were black as well at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just the circumstances, isn't it? If Davy Johnson had been a woman, I'm sure, <laughs> then uh, <laughs> he'd have kept Davy Johnson as a woman in the band all the time, like he has with Davy. But um, yeah. can you imagine that, just Davina, Davina Johnson? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. proudly we present <laughs> Goldilocks. Yeah, well, uh, he had a great yeah. head of hair. I wish I had hair like that. I mean, I've lost most of my barnets, but I think you know that already. Um, <laughs> okay, great. Uh, I think that's a, that's a really good response. And I think what you said, absolutely. I was thinking the same thing uh, as you, Paul, um, Caleb Quay. Let's, let's pay tribute to the man here as well. You know, he's black and he was in the band right at the very start. So in, indeed. Mm. Okay, super. Now, final, final question to you all, I suppose, is, what are your hopes for Elton's future? We've more, more or less touched on it, of course, but um, let's have you all back. I'm just unmuting Sandra because I think you have a bit of a, a feedback issue there. Um, let's start with um, let's start with Tanya first. Tanya, what, what do you hope Elton will do in the, the next few years? Well, I hope that he will bring out new music. But, but I also hope that you will take a rest because I think he needs it. Mm. But I'm also very sure that he cannot live very long without doing anything. So I hope that he will bring out an album, that he will play a concert here and there, but without doing too much. So have a good balance for himself. Well, he's got two growing sons, so I don't think he's ever going to be bored, let's be, be honest. I mean, his world has changed, isn't it? This isn't like the previous retirements where he, he really didn't have anything to, to look at apart from a blank wall and, or perhaps a, a, you know, a gold-leaf painted wall. But in any case, that's all he had. And he got bored and he wanted, he got restless and he decided to, of course, come back on, on stage and, and to record. Paul, what do you think? Uh, do you, I mean, he's, he's got his hands full, right? He's, got, he's a family man now, but do you, do you have much hope that he's going to do a lot more for us? I think um, basically what Tanya just said then, I think we've got to think of Elton here. He's, he's given his life to all of his fans for 50-odd years. So first and foremost, he must enjoy his rest and retirement. And I personally believe that he's probably going to go a couple of years before he makes that commitment to decide whether he does feel like he wants to come back on mm. and do something. Mm. There may be the, the odd one-off charity event i guess in between times when he's thinking because i mean i think he's still you know he's a big humanitarian isn't he so if a if a charity yeah. event came up and he felt like doing it and it fitted in i'm sure he would do that but i would like to see him take a, a complete rest again like with the pandemic for a couple of years and then if he did feel like that's what he wanted to do then fair play to the man if he wants to do it i'm sure all of us fans are going to go and watch it Fair play, as long as it involves a piano, is good play to me. Right, Sandra. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sandra, you, what, I, I suppose you're going to mirror everything that Tanya said, but no, seriously, in your own words. What, <laughs> what are your hopes for the future for Elton? Well, as you, 
as you could imagine, it is a bit like Tanya. But I'm, I'm definitely, I wish him now that he can look a bit after himself, look what's important for him, take a rest a bit, mm. enjoy his family life for a moment. But I am sure that after a moment, he just uh, needs to do something because he just, I have the, the impression that he can't live without music or doing anything because he's very active. When I see what he does compared to other artists to bring out new albums all the time, to tour all the time compared to others who do this every three, four, five years. Mm. So he has another energy. So I guess at the moment he wants to do own music again or produce or write musicals or write film music or I don't know but I am very sure that he has still the urge to do something and I wish him that then he can do it but in a balance that's good for him so I guess we will hear more from him but in a more relaxed way and not the pressure on the shoulders to do it but just when he has the feeling that he's okay to do it yeah and it will only enrich his creativity of course if he does that if he doesn't feel Definitely. like he's got to fulfill a recording contract which is of course what the early years were more like okay stefan in your words how what are your hopes for the future well i, I think it will come come down to what basically what we heard already and you had this little explosion sound effect at the beginning of the show and i think this is what's going to happen with elton at some point in time because we all know that he needs the stage and he is a natural born uh, not killer but a performer yeah um and so he will certainly and fingers crossed he will he will do that for quite a while he will relax a bit more chill with his family and stuff um, but there will be a time, and in a way, he has already uh, hinted that mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, several times now, also uh, on, on, uh, during the last show in Stockholm, that there will be more. Um, I, 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 I wish it will include a little bit that is coming back to what we discussed earlier with regard to the set list and how difficult it is to, to please everybody. I, I would hope that he, there, there might be some sort of a devoted fan farewell show in some way or form so where he might play more of the odd songs rather than the the, the hits uh, i do remember many 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 years back that we were very close on on getting him in that direction mm, mm. Um, and then that was cancelled due to the fact that um, uh, what was his name oh god <laughs> i'm getting old um, uh, eric clapton had this big success with the with the unplugged uh, album at the time and Elton yep. was planning something and that along those lines for this very special fan show and then he thought he would he would be rated as a copycat and then he cancelled that uh, much to our <laughs> uh, uh, disappointment mm. so yeah uh, let's give him a rest uh, wish uh, all the best of health uh, uh, to him of course and his family and uh, I'm sure we will see him again in some sort of maybe even some sort of a London residency or what 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 have you, yeah. Uh, but yep. of course, not touring again. Yeah. Well, Royal Albert Hall, of course, has been on and off the cards for a while, but that would be a, a good magnet, wouldn't it, for a residency in London? Yeah. Yeah. You know, not too big, not too small. Um, I think it sounds like a good good shout, doesn't it? Okay. Well, uh, beautifully said, uh, Stefan. Thank you for that as well. Um, uh, so first of all, uh, I should just end really the show here and say, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I want to thank you all so very much for your amazing 
recollections and uh, what you discussed uh, today are on Elton and your thoughts about the final tour. I mean, it's just been great to have you all on the programme. It's great to reconnect with so many of you as well, which I haven't had the, the pleasure of for so many, many years. Um, but we, um, we've, we've um, as we have repeatedly said on this show, this is not the end. This is simply the end of another chapter in the tome called Sir Elton Hercules, John C.H.C.B.E. And um, as predictable as it has to be, you can't have a show without this song. And certainly, I think this is the right one to end with. This is I'm Still Standing. Thanks for listening. You can never know what it's like. Your blood like winter freezes just like ice. And there's a cold and lonely light that shines from you. You wind up like the wreck you hide behind that mask you use. And did you think this fool could never win? Well, look at me. I'm coming back again. I got a taste love in a simple way and if you need to know while I'm still standing you just fade away don't you know I'm still standing better than I ever did looking like a true survivor feeling like a little kid and I'm still standing after all this time picking up the will have brought back many memories to all of you Elton John fans and in particular of course for Stefan who will probably remember a certain pub in Hastings but be sure to subscribe to us from your favourite podcast player app or you can listen to us on smart devices like Alexa and drop me a line if you would like to be a guest on the show please email radio at eltonjohn.world George Matlock signing out wishing you a very good weekend and see you next time thanks for listening 